I'm done. I'm done with this Sixers team. I'm done. I'm doing this podcast right now, and Game 7 is still playing as we speak. I stopped watching the game three minutes into the third quarter. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the latest edition of the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington. I am your host and owner of PW Digital Media Entertainment. Phil Washington, as always, I am coming to you from the PWDME studios here in Orlando, Florida, where the temperatures are warm outside, nice and cool here in the studio, but my overall temperature is getting hotter by the minute. No matter what platform you're listening to me on, I want to say thank you for your continued support of this podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Give it a like, five stars, and feedback on the episodes on my social media pages. You can give me feedback on my Instagram page where you can find me at PW underscore digital underscore media underscore entertainment. There's also a link to my link tree where you can listen to previous editions of the podcast on the available platforms. And also, I will be dropping a Spotify exclusive playlist with about 40 of my current favorite songs that I listen to since I am a lover of music. All right, let's not waste any more time with this because I am so, so fed up with this team. Like it's, and I'm just going. I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there right now. If there are any kids that are listening to this podcast, you might want to skip this first section. I guess you can say this is going to be rated TV 14 because I'm going to let quite a few fly. If you know what I mean. Um. I have not looked at the score since they were down by 14 in the third quarter. I understand that they are in the fourth quarter right now. And I'm getting text messages saying that they <laughs> it is not good. At one point, um, when I didn't want to look at the score... Um, Bleacher Report kindly reminded me, hey, the Celtics are destroying the Philadelphia 76ers by over 20. I said in a Instagram post on Friday on my personal page, not on my, 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 uh, public uh, media page. This was on my private page. I said something along the lines of I expect Boston to win the game today, which they are very much on the way of doing, and that if Philadelphia had any shot 
it would take an absolute miracle for this Sixers team in Game 7 to go up to Boston and to get the job done. They would have to literally play like their lives depended on it. And through a quarter and a half, it looked like the Sixers, both offensively and defensively, were a little bit better than what Boston was doing. The key play that changed the entire game was in the second quarter when James Harden got the flagrant foul on Jalen Brown. I believe at that time, Philadelphia was up by eight. Jalen Brown made both of his free throws to make the lead go from eight to six. And then within a span of 90 seconds, it went from a six-point Sixers lead to about a three-point Boston lead. That's the, that's the thing about this Boston team. They can run up and down the court, and they are nothing but a three-point shooting barrage. It's something that on, as a Sixers fan, you kind of know to expect. But as a basketball fan, listen, it's a beautiful thing to watch. It really is. But going back to being a fan for a second. How do you not adjust for that? And looking at this series as a whole, you knew it was going to go to Game Six, Game Seven. Philadelphia was going to—they had a—they had a decent shot at taking down this Boston team. Remember, they got the shocking victory in Game One. They got their ass kicked in Game Two. They got beat again in Game Three. Game four, they finally came around. They tied the series. Game five, they went back to Boston and beat them on their home floor. After game five, it's like, okay, this might be the year. You go back to Philadelphia, Wells Fargo Center, in front of your own fans, in front of your home fans, to get the job done. And for three quarters, for 42 minutes, you were practically on your way to getting just a step closer to the Eastern Conference Finals and then what happens. Jason Tatum gets hot. This dude was cold the entire game. And then in the last Six minutes, Jason Tatum beat the entire Philadelphia 76ers team. He outscored them in the fourth quarter. You can't let that happen. You cannot score 11 points in a potential game or I should say series clinching game at home on your home court in front of your own fans. 
They let it happen. They let a golden opportunity slip away. And they, they are currently, well, they practically, I'm looking at it now, the game is practically over. And I just saw as if the fourth quarter of game six couldn't be any worse. I just saw that Boston outscored Philadelphia in the third quarter of this game, game seven, 33 to 10. Thirty-three to ten. Game just went final. <sighs> Nothing's wrong with my mic. I just need a moment. Just collecting my thoughts as I get the final stats of this game. So give me just one minute here. All right. I can tell you this, and I said this to one of my family members just a few minutes ago. If and when the Sixers lose, a lot of heads are going to roll. And when you lose this bad on a national, I should say worldwide stage, you have the NBA MVP on your team. And you lose like this. A lot of heads are going to roll. And I hope they do roll. Because it's been 10 years since the Sixers have been performing something called the process. Trust the process. That's what they told us 10 years ago. Your team's going to suck. We don't know how bad it's going to be, but your team's going to suck. And we're going to either get pick one, two, or three in the lottery. We're going to rebuild this team and make it championship caliber. That hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. You can have Doug Collins coaching the team. You can have Brett Brown. I still couldn't understand that move. You can have Brett Brown coaching this team. You can have Doc Rivers coaching this team. Don't give a damn who the general manager is. Looking from top to bottom. Throughout this entire process, we only got a few things right. We finally landed on a superstar 
in Joel Embiid, but the jury is still out. The jury is still still out on Joel Embiid. I really like him, but there is just certain things. And you know what? I'm gonna you know I'm gonna hold off because I'm gonna go through the entire roster here in a second. I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold off on especially Joel and James Harden. I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold off on those two. I'm about to go through the whole roster here in a second. Cause I'm gonna tell you who's safe and who who needs to go. Coaches too. Go through the whole process. Ten years, and I think the only thing we've won is maybe the Atlantic Division title once. I remember us being the number one seed mate once. Uh, and that's it. A lot of pain and suffering for this basketball team. In the words of Stephen A. Smith, as he likes to uh, describe the Dallas Cowboys in the regular season and then going into the playoffs, he likes to he likes to use this analogy in which he likes to say, just wait, just wait. They are an accident waiting to happen. And I can't believe I used that term on one of my teams. But to this team and to this roster, that's exactly who they are. Smoke and mirrors. They can be a good team during the season. Depending on the matchup, we'll get through the first round. But I'll be damned. That second round, whether it's Toronto, Kawhi hitting that game-winning two- or three-pointer in the corner... Whether it's Miami getting the best of us, whether it's Game 6 or Game 7, whichever game it was that uh, Ben Simmons decided to uh, pass the ball up underneath the basket. The mofo was like 6'8", 6'9", 6'10". He's right there. All he had to do was jump and dunk but he didn't want to get fouled because he was afraid to shoot free throws? Or whether it's running into our normal foe, the Boston Celtics, where this shit has been deja vu over and over and over and over again. It never ceases to amaze me that we just can't overcome this Boston Celtics team. And like I said earlier, we had a golden opportunity. Game six, it was there. It was there. It was right there for the taking. But guess what? We decided to go, to go cold, 
at the worst possible time. And that was also the same time Jason Tatum in the last six minutes of the game started to get hot at the worst possible time. One twelve to eighty eight is the final. <laughs> mm. I don't know what's worse, the score or the fact that James Harden actually brought up um the student I forgot what school, but he was the student that got shot. Um, that was his special guest. He was the one that FaceTimed him and told him, you know, whatever you need, I got you. Well, the fact that he brought him to Boston and that young man had to go and watch that. It's not good. It's not a good look. At all. It's like this team just gave up in the second half. And, and, and listen. All the credit in the world. To Joe Missoula And the Boston Celtics organization. They... They do it right. They do it right over there. And pretty much Boston's game plan was this. Shoot, shoot, and shoot the ball. Wait for Philadelphia to collapse. Start running up and down the court. And every time Joel Embiid has the ball, you go after him because he cannot secure the basketball. Joel was terrible. Joel was terrible. This this whole damn team was terrible. It's a shame. But congratulations to the Boston Celtics. They now go on to face the number eight seed. The... Miami Heat featuring Jimmy Butler, which we are seeing playoff Jimmy at his finest, even though he doesn't have uh, Victor Oladipo or uh, Tyler Hero. Uh, Kyle Lowry is starting to find his way. So I could see Boston whooping up on Miami. At best, it's going to go six games. Jimmy's going to get you. He's definitely going to get you one. He might be able to get you two. But Boston is going to win the East. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. Boston's going to win the East. And I don't think it... If Denver gets through out West, I think Boston wins that. But if the, if the Lakers... If the Lakers get through and it's Boston, L.A., oof. 
that's going to go six to seven games. I would love to see it go seven games. But let's get back to this punk-ass team. Mm. All right. Let me take a look at the stats real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Let's see what these fools did. Let's start with Boston. Let's see how good they did. Oh, yeah, Jason Tatum. Tatum had the game of his career, 51 points. 13 rebounds, 5 assists. He was 17 of 28 from the field, 6 for 10, 3 points, uh, 11, 11 to 14 from the free throw. Jalen Brown, 25 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 9 of 19. Uh, notable. Let's see who else. Who else? That's pretty much it. Brogdon did his thing, 12 points. Yeah. Sixers. Tyrese Maxey. 17 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 of 12 shooting. 2 of 6 from 3. He needs to work on his 3-point range again. Uh, Tobias Harris. 19 points, 5 rebounds. No assists, 7 to 13 from the floor, 1 for 7 from 3. That hurt. Uh, 4 for 4 from the free throw line. Now, here's the thing with Tobias. As being the highest paid player on the roster, that's correct. It's not James and it's not Joel. It's Tobias. Tobias is earning $37.6 million this year. And for what he had to go through, this is pretty much what you have to ask for with Tobias. Give me 15 to 20 points and give me somewhere close to six, seven, eight rebounds and maybe a couple of assists. So I really can't fault Tobias, but going one for seven from three really doesn't help the cause. P.J. Tucker, he did more than we can ask. He played. He, he only played 20 minutes in this game. 11 points, one rebound, uh, four for seven from the floor, three for six from three. PJ's a dog, and he's one of the few that I actually, well, he's got two more years with the Sixers, so he's he's obviously staying. Um, everybody else, I'm not even, I'm not even going to mention. Uh, Harden. Of course, when it all matters, nine points, six rebounds, seven assists, three of 11 shooting, one for five for three. He was a minus 30 on the floor. And then you got Joel Embiid, your NBA MVP. Your MVP went 15 points, eight rebounds, one assist, five of 18 shooting. Five of 18 Shooting, that is embarrassing. 0 for 4 from 3. He was a minus 28 on the floor. 
as the MVP. That is absolutely that's disappointing. That's embarrassing. That's unacceptable. When the lights are brightest, and like I said earlier, when everybody's watching, this team just doesn't show up. They don't know how to win. We're 10 years into this, and we still don't know how to win. Going through three different coaching staffs, and they can't seem to figure this shit out. What does it have to take? Literally, what does it have to take? I think I have the answer. You might have to blow this team up. So we're going to go through the roster right now. I just pulled it up here on ESPN.com. It's not in any particular order. Obviously, I am going to leave. I'm going to leave Joel and James... I'm going to save them for last. First person I see. Dwayne Dedman. We got this fool after the All-Star game. I don't know why he was on this team. He did absolutely nothing. That was a, I know he's another body on the bench, but he was a waste. He did not do anything. Montrez Harrell, he was supposed to be the, the main backup plan at center behind Joel Embiid. Um, once Doc Rivers figured out, yeah, that wasn't going to work, uh... He was pretty much left on the bench. He didn't see any minutes until the last three, four games of the season when we, when the Sixers had the number three seed wrapped up. Um, so, Dwayne Dedman, he can go. Montrez Harrell, he can go. Tobias Harris. Now, I don't know how. I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. He may have one more year. If we can find oh, Tobias is interesting. I'd like him as a person. He's a good defender, but he's not worth $37.6 million. I'm sorry. He's not. And the only reason why He's on this team is because we couldn't keep Jimmy Butler. Because Jimmy Butler saw how soft Ben Simmons was and couldn't believe that Brett Brown had the ability to coach. So I'm torn in the middle with Tobias. Like I said, he's probably got another year left on his contract. Fine, he stays, but he's taking up too much salary. Daniel House. 
Daniel House is... I mean, he's okay. I mean, he's only 20, he's 29 years old, 6'6", 220. He got paid $4 million. I think he's a one-year deal. He provided some spark, but I mean, let's be serious. He's not like an everyday... I don't know if I would trust him coming off the bench for me. And like I said, he's only 29. He's still young. I don't know. Lewis King, listen, he's, he's G League. I can't touch G League. I can tell you this. Uh, I know he's a scorer, and that, God forbid, God forbid, that's what we need. We need scoring. So, Lewis is still young. He's 6'7", 205. He's, still, he's only 24 years old. He's on our G League team. Maybe we sign him to the uh, to the main roster next year. So, I can't, I can't touch him. Furcon Korkmaz, listen, we barely saw him throughout the year. He got paid $5 million to pretty much be on the bench. Because Doc didn't use him much, if any. Furcon wanted to be traded midway through the season, and I guess that got denied. And when we needed shooters, Doc didn't want to go to Furcon because I guess he saw him as a liability on defense. He's only 25 years old. I'm not sure how much time he has left on his contract. I think this is it. I think he's gone after this. Watch him go to another team next year and watch him shine. Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese is one of, one of the few players on this team that is untouchable. Sixers fans, just... just we have to be... We have to be patient with Tyrese. He plays with a high motor. His his ball handling skills are getting better. His defense is getting better. He needs to work on his three-point shooting. Tyrese is one of the few that stays. You gotta give him time. The young man is 22 years old and came from a good, good school in Kentucky. He stays. Mac McClung, okay. G League, I can't touch him. You bring him up, you sign him to a 10-day contract, then he wins the slam dunk competition. Plays in two or three games for the Sixers at the end of the season. I would really like to see Mac McClung on this Sixers team next year. The dude can shoot. He's small, though. He's 6'2", 185, but he's only 24 years old. i like to see what Mac, McCl Mac McClung becomes as a sixer. He, he needs to stay on this team. Uh, Jalen McDaniels, power forward, 25 years old. We got him at the trade deadline from Charlotte. He is a, he's a good young power forward. 6'9", 205 from San Diego State. Uh, 
I think Jalen stays. Needs a little bit more time. Hopefully we can keep him. Um, DeAnthony Melton. DeAnthony needs to stay. I do like him. Great 3 and D player. Uh, he comes off the bench. He's young. He's only 24. Um, he stays. Shake Milton. Here's, Shake is hot and cold. When games don't matter and they put him in the start, Shake can go off for 20, 25, 30 points if the team needs him to. He is a shooter. I think he stays with this team. Um, good size, 6'5", 205. Defense needs to be better. But I think, I don't know. Just thinking how I think the team's going to do this, I think Shake, I think Shake stays. George Niang. George Niang reminds me of when J.J. Redick was on this team. He could shoot the hell out of, out of the ball, make threes from practically anywhere on the court. But when it comes to defense, please put him on somebody that that's not necessarily the primary ball handler. He gets lost on defense quite a few times, gives up quite a few points. He's a liability, just like J.J. Redick was. He will, he's... At, at times, he's a liability on the floor. I don't like. I don't know how much time George has on his contract with Philadelphia. Uh, Paul Reed. Okay, so here's another young guy that I think needs more time on the court, and luckily we were able to see it at some point during this series with Boston. Paul Reed, small forward, but he's 23 years old, 6'9", 210 from DePaul. Philly fans don't call him B-ball Paul for a reason. Good motor, wants to make an impact. Sometimes you need to get into his head. You get He needs to get mentally prepared for battle on the court. And when he gets into that mindset, he can become that dominant small forward that the Sixers really need. So I I, I think Paul Reed stays. Jaden Springer, we just got him. G League, he's only 20 years old. He still needs time to uh, develop. So he probably goes back to the G League again next year. P.J. Tucker, P.J. did quite a bit for us this year, um, especially in the playoffs. He was that he, – I, I see P.J. as like that playing, that playing coach being 30, what now, 38 years old. He, he is that dog. He is that dog that epitomizes what Philadelphia 76ers basketball should be about. He's got two more years on the contract, um, so obviously he's not going anywhere unless he gets traded, but I'm not sure who wants a 38-year-old. But, uh, yeah, I think P.J. stays. P.J. is exactly what we need in 
Philadelphia. Now let me go to the stars, quote-unquote, for this team. I'm going to start with Joel Embiid. Joel had a great year this year. He got hurt. We all saw it coming. But he fought through it. He played well enough this year where he received, for the first time in his career, being the NBA MVP of the entire league. And kudos to him. He deserved it. But at this point in your career, you have to especially in the playoffs you got to put the team on your back and the way that he's been getting hurt the last couple years he needs to be a little bit more of a pure center instead of trying to shoot threes from everywhere I never want to see Joel bring the ball up as the primary ball handler because he has shown, especially in the series against Boston and most of the regular season, he cannot handle the ball well. He can't. Boston exposed them. Obviously, Joel's going to be here with us for a while unless he asks for a trade. I like Joel. I really do as a person. But you're getting paid quite a bit to be the man, the star on this team, and you haven't delivered. Like I said, this is deja vu all over again for us. How much more can this fan base take of getting ousted in the second round? James Harden. Finally a full season with the Sixers. Led the NBA in assist. He 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 finally learned to play with Joel, and at times he needed to be told, "Hey, Joel's not feeling the best. We need we need the old James Harden." But there was always always that knock on James when. When it comes time for the playoffs, is he going to show up? He showed up a couple times in this series. A couple 40-point games. That helped the team get, get by Boston. But today, I know I just read off the stat, what, 10 minutes ago, but I already forgot. 41 minutes of work, 9 points. Six rebounds, seven assists, three eleven, three of eleven for shooting, one of five for th one of five for three, plus minus of minus thirty. That shit ain't gonna do it.
that shit ain't gonna do it. And there have been allegedly rumors floating around that uh, James may want to head back to Houston. At this point, he can do what he wants. Because all I want on this team are people that are willing to do whatever it takes to win. I'm practically done with this team. We need to blow it up. And that brings me to Coach Doc Rivers. The king of getting eliminated in the second round. He brought one title to Boston. Couldn't bring a title to uh, the Clippers. And this Philadelphia 76ers team is a nice blend of the Clippers and the Houston Rockets. And both of those teams didn't win a damn thing. So it would not it would not surprise me one bit if Doc Rivers is released. Would not surprise me one bit. But here's the thing. Doc and Daryl Morey. Daryl Morey is the general manager and president of basketball operations for the Sixers. Those two have a really good uh, working relationship. So, I don't know. I know a lot of people are going to call for Doc's head on this. Here's what, here. Here's what I'm going to say. I've met Doc a few times. Great person. Great passion for the sport. Very knowledgeable. But when it comes time to close the deal, historically, if you take the one season where he won with Boston... Take that out of the equation. He can't close the deal. So I don't know. A lot of people need to go. A lot of people need to go. And we damn near need to blow this team up. Honestly, I wouldn't mind. I know I just saw that Monty Williams, formerly of the Phoenix Suns, got released. As head coach, I would not mind having... Uh, Monty Williams come back to Philly 
I know Nick Nurse is out there. He got released by Toronto. Budenholzer got released by Milwaukee. So there's a lot of people out there. But I want to coach. I want a hard coach that will get in the faces of his players and get the absolute best out of them. Day in, day out, <clears throat> whether it's the regular season, the playoffs, don't matter whether you're a rookie or a 15-year veteran or the NBA MVP. Get the absolute best from your players and also from your coaching staff as well. So yeah, another season, another second round exit for the Philadelphia 76ers. Deja vu all over again. Not surprising one bit. Not surprising at all. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about something else. I don't know what. <laughs> I'll figure it out. This is the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, do you love good music? You love listening to good vocals? Or are you a fan of NBC's The Voice? Then do me a favor. Join host Stephanie and James as they break down each contestant's voice and overall performance from each week's episode. They keep it 100 and voice their opinions with love, kindness, and respect. You can follow The Pitchy Podcast on Instagram at The Pitchy Podcast, spelled T-H-E-P-I-T-C-H-Y-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to their podcast on YouTube and on your favorite podcast platform. All right, welcome back to the Philosophy Sessions podcast. I've cooled down slightly, a little bit more relaxed, even though I did just hear a little bit of the press conferences of <laughs> Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid. Doc Rivers saying something along the lines of, I'm sorry, I thought I had the right group to do the job, something like that. Listen, and listen, I just went on a 40, 45 minute tangent on the Sixers. But after hearing that, it's like, Doc, come on, man. Your, your squad is only as good as you can coach them. Obviously, he's not playing, but you can't allow for your two stars to have games like that when everything's on the line. 
And this is, it's not the first time. With Doc, it's happened again and again and again with the Clippers and now with the Sixers. And then I just heard Joel Embiid with his usual, I'm, I'm disappointed, I, I, I have to do better, I have to do better. Joel, I am, I am at the point with Joel Embiid where I've heard enough. I've got to do better. James has to do. We we as a team have to do better. He's been in the league for quite a while. I'm at the point now where he's got two options if he wants to be a Philadelphia 76er. When the lights are brightest, when all the chips are pushed in, when everything is on the line, and the whole world is watching, you got two options. You either show up Give everything you got. Leave everything on the court. Or get out of Philadelphia. And I'm not just saying that just for the 76ers. Every Philadelphia team. If you're going to play for us, if you're going to represent us, Flyers, Phillies, Phillies damn near did it. The Phillies last year damn near did it. Eagles. Eagles are the closest thing we had to a championship. Lost by three points to the Kansas City Chiefs. Only because we couldn't adjust on defense by a defensive coordinator who, at that time, had his mind set on becoming the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals instead of focusing on the task at hand by getting burned by Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. If you go play for Philly, I don't give a damn what team it is professionally in the big four. I'll even put the Philadelphia Union in there. You better play hard. Leave it all out on the field, on the court, on the ice, whatever. Fans will respect you for doing that. We're just tired of hearing this, I gotta be better bullshit. It's over, man. Can't do it no more.
So you got two choices, show up or get out. That's where I'm at. Look at the leadership of Jalen Hurts. Look at the leadership of Bryce Harper. I can't give you a flyer because they suck. Show up or get out. That's where I'm at. All right. Um, let's see. Let's talk about, let's go Eastern, let's go Conference Finals, since, since that's where we're at now. Let's go out West. I'll be brief with this. Out West, you have the number one seed, Denver Nuggets, going up against the number seven seed, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and the Los Angeles Lakers. That series is going to be fantastic. It's going to be absolutely fantastic because a lot of people are going to be watching Denver for the first time and they're going to see how good they really are. Lakers, we know. Anthony Davis, LeBron James, D'Angelo Russell. Get to see the rise of Austin Reeves. Austin, Austin's been balling, man. He's been fun to watch. I just think... Denver, with home court advantage, playing at mile high in that thin air. I think they have a decent advantage. And I see, give me the Nuggets in six. I think the Nuggets win in six. The Lakers will only win this if they win in six games. Because if it goes to seven, I think Denver will at, on their home court, they'll get it done. But I'm going to say Denver in six. Going over to the east, man, got the Boston Celtics, the number two seed in the east, going up against the number eight seed, Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat. Keep in mind, Miami does not have Tyler Hero or Victor Oladipo. They still have a pretty good crew with uh, Max Struess, uh, Kyle Lowry, like I said, a whole slew of casting characters. Coach Spolstra, he's there. One of the better coaches left in this entire uh, NBA playoffs. Boston wins in six. And I'm giving Miami at least two. Jimmy's definitely going to get you one. He may get you two. But the only way that's going to happen, if Miami wins, Jimmy's going to have to go off for 40, 35, 40 a game to have a shot. Because Boston's loaded. Between Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Malcolm Brogdon, Marcus Smart, Robert Williams, Grant Williams. 
Grant, Robert Williams. They're loaded. They are a a team that can run up and down the court. They can defend and they can hit the three at any time. I saw Boston hit some incredible, incredible shots this series. And they're going to be hard to beat. They're going to be very hard to beat. So give me uh, give me Boston and give me Denver in the NBA Finals. But I know what the TV, TV people want. I know what the networks want. They want Boston, L.A. And I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be mad at that because that would be must-see TV. That really would be must-see TV. But give me... Give me Boston and Denver in the NBA Finals. All right. So something that just popped up today, as a matter of fact. Um, This news came out actually just before, maybe one hour before the start of the Sixers and Celtics this afternoon was that the Memphis Grizzlies have suspended Ja Morant from any and all team activities because, once again, he was seen on Instagram Live brandishing a gun. Now, I've seen the video. I've seen it. It was on uh, TMZ earlier. In the video... His buddy is taking the video, so it's not him. But he was seen on video in the car listening to some music. I don't know what. Jaws in the passenger seat. They're dancing. They're, you know, they're doing their thing. And you see his buddy show Jaw, And for one whole second, if you... Pause the video and you look, you can see Ja in the car, in the passenger seat, with what looks to be a gun. If you remember, earlier in the season, Ja Morant was suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies. He was also suspended by Adam Silver and the NBA for eight games. And he was docked close to $600,000 of his salary during the season because of this. He, he even had to go and meet with the commissioner, Adam Silver, in New York and talk about the situation. He then went on and had an on-screen interview with Jalen Rose in New York talking about the whole situation, saying that he was going to do better and stuff like that. He knows that things are, uh, it, it was, it's pretty sensitive and that it, it has no part and that he knows he represents the NBA. Then you go ahead and he does this, which was seen yesterday. But, of course, you put anything on social media a lot of people follow you there are programs on these smartphones and the technology is so good that it doesn't matter if you're live or not 
people can go ahead and take screenshots or screen grabs of your videos. And so you think that by deleting your IG, it's just going to go away. It's not. People need to understand anything that you post on the Internet, anything that's posted on the Internet will stay there. Even if you delete it, it will still be there. And so, no, I can't wait to see what the NBA is going to do with John, John Morant now. Just the whole situation with the Memphis Grizzlies is between them getting bounced by the Los Angeles Lakers after Dylan Brooks said he wouldn't respect anybody until he gave them until he gave them 40 and he ended up getting his ass whooped by 41 in game six. And now it looks like the team's not going to bring him back at all and now you got the situation with John Morant which I don't get it and what sucks is that before the season even started I liked the Memphis Grizzlies I liked them so much I thought they were going to come out the west they were that gritty team they were going to play hard they were going to defend they were going to shoot the lights out I knew they were going to talk but after looking at what happened last year, you know, they had grounds they could go ahead and back it up with their words. Well, guess what? Their mouths got them into trouble. And even, hell, social media played a part too. They're not disciplined, still immature thinking that they got the bag, that they can do whatever. People are watching. People are always watching. Even if they don't comment or like anything on your social media pages or whatever, they are watching. And I call them scrollers. They'll like not like, but they'll add you, but they won't do a damn thing but look and watch. And that's why I've been, I've always been, you know, selective in what I put on social media and on the internet in general. The podcast, listen, the podcast is here for entertainment. I kind of use it as a therapy myself just to get things off my chest. I hope these young dudes get their acts together. Because if they don't, it's could quite possibly cost them their career. So. All right. 
Um, let me switch things up a little bit. I'm loving the fact that there are more and more athletes, professional athletes, entertainers, celebrities playing the game of golf. It's actually pretty cool. The reason why I bring this up is because over the last couple of days I've noticed um, a well-known actor, comedian, Chris Tucker. I've noticed him start to get out and play the game a little bit more. And he's enjoying himself. He's out there. He's dancing on the tee box. He's just having a great time. And then there's DJ Khaled. He's out there living his best life. His game has has actually gotten better and better every time I see one of his posts on Instagram. Like his swing looks so much better. Some of his antics out there, it's it's another thing, but look, hell, at the point now for golf, as long as you're having fun and you're enjoying it, that's that's all that that's all that matters. And the one thing about golf is that, and I think I've alluded to this in previous episodes of this podcast, is that in this game and in this industry, you just never know who you're gonna go, who you know, who you're going to run into, who you're gonna meet. And in this industry, in in the golf industry, it is a perfect networking tool it is a great opportunity to meet people to get to know them to the point where if you have any kind of business I'm telling you you can handle the business on the golf course and when you come off the course and you have lunch dinner whatever in the restaurant, 19th hole, whatever, wherever, if it's a club, if it's a, a country club, you can get business deal. I've seen business deals get done on the golf course. I've seen friendships made on the golf course. If If you're not, I would suggest, if, how can I say this? If, if you're an individual that has never looked at golf that way, I invite you to take you and your buddies you and your girls, you and your guys, date nights, whatever. Go to a Top Golf. Go to a Drive Shack. Go play mini golf. Go to a driving range. Get some clubs, cheap, rental clubs, whatever. And just try it out. Because there's always that one swing. There's always that one ball that you hit. 
that one shot that's going to keep you coming back for more. And so I've compiled a list of athletes from some major sports and even entertainers that currently play the game now. And there are some where I will go ahead and uh, I will note as people that I've, I've met personally or that I know personally, have friendships with um, in the industry and in life in general. So let's go with this. Let's start right off the bat with Justin Timberlake. I've met Justin a couple times, a great guy, um, amazing entertainer, pretty decent golfer. I think he's pretty, pretty close to scratch, if I remember correctly. Um, Will Smith, we all know I've caddied for Will Smith a couple years ago. The, the story is a part of one of my podcasts. You got to go back and listen to it. It's, that was one hell of a day. Charles Barkley, Larry the Cable Guy, I've met. He's a great guy. He, he is unbelievably funny, but he is absolutely down to earth. Um, Vinny Del Negro, Marty Fish, I've met, he's a good dude, uh, Mark Mulder, John Smoltz, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, I've met, um, there's actually, there's a funny story with Ben Roethlisberger, maybe I'll, uh, I'll bring that up in a future podcast, but it happened at a, uh, it was a member, what was it? Was it member guest? It might have been member guest. I'll, I'll bring it up in a future future podcast. It's too funny. Um, Derek Carr, Robbie Gold, Adam Thielen I've met, good dude. Harrison Smith, Patrick Peterson I've met. Uh, Michael Strahan I've met. Steve Young, Jerry Rice, Emmett Smith. Not only do... Did I meet him? But I was actually fortunate enough to caddy for him not too long ago. Uh, Jerome Bettis, Terrell Davis, Brian Erlacher, Charles Woodson, Larry Fitzgerald. I've met him. Demarcus Ware, Kyle Williams, Jim McMahon, Mike Vrabel, Herm Edwards. I've met. Great guy. Ray Allen. I've met. Kyle Lowry. Not only have I met him, but on several occasions I've been able to caddy for him. Um, we have a Philadelphia connection. Uh, great guy, great basketball mind. Vince Carter, I have a friendship with. Grant Hill, I have a friendship with. I love both of their families. Just love uh, watching both of them play. Not only baseball, uh, basketball, but golf. Um, I love their families as well. They're, they have unbelievable families. I miss them. Um, let's see. Anthony Anderson, Alfonso Ribeiro, a.k.a. Carlton from Fresh Prince. Uh, Michael Pena, I've met. Great guy. Uh, if I haven't already said it, Larry the Cable Guy. 
Jack Wagner, Jim McMahon, let's see, Tom Glavin, CC Sabathia, Joe Maurer, Jimmy Rollins, former Philly, Kevin Millar, I've met. Uh, Shane Victorino, former Philly, Tim Wakefield, I've met, David Wells. And much more. Many, many more. But those are just a few that, just off the top of my head, because um, I know they play in these celebrity golf tournaments as well. So, um, I have a question for my golfers out there, whether you play professionally or you're just the daily, you're the avid weekend golfer. My question to you is what is your go-to meal post-round? If you had the opportunity after you're done finishing golf, you go to the 19th hole, you go to the restaurant, what is your go-to meal? I'll tell you mine. And most golf courses have this. But it is a turkey club. I like mine on wheat. But no tomato. For a side, it depends on the club I'm at. And I will normally ask either the waiter or waitress which one they would prefer for a side. It would either be crispy fries or chips. To drink, if I had a good day, I will drink a transfusion. If it was one of those days where I wish to forget the round, I will drink a double Jack and Coke. For a plan B meal, if they, if they for some reason don't have a club sandwich, my plan B would be a cheeseburger or bacon cheeseburger, lettuce, onions, no tomato, and same thing, chips or fries. And so that is my... As my meal, my post-round meal. I would love to hear the feedback from you guys. What your post-round meal would be. Appetizers, listen, if they have the... I just thought about it. Appetizers, if they have... If they have those soft pretzel bites or a soft pretzel with beer cheese... I will devour that thing by myself. If you have loaded um, loaded tortilla chips with cheese and and uh, salsa, jalapenos, guac, I'm in. Wings, I'll devour by myself. Mozzarella sticks, same thing. But my go-to appetizer, if they, like I said, if they have it, would be the soft pretzels 
with beer cheese. I don't think they're just thinking about it. Mm -mm. So yeah, I will I will post that question. Um, I believe I can do it on my on my Spotify. If not, I will put it on my uh, public uh, media page on IG, which is once again PW underscore digital underscore media underscore entertainment. And go ahead and find that there. I would love to hear some of your reactions and some of your meals and if they're good what i'll do is i'll put them on the next episode of the philosophy sessions podcast and i'll tell you what we have gone well over an hour so what we're going to do we're going to go ahead and we're going to end the podcast right here i want to say thank you so much for listening to this latest edition of the philosophy sessions podcast any and all feedback I'm here for. Sharing is caring. Like the podcast. Give it five stars. Share with your friends and your family. The bigger we get, the better we are. The more stuff I can do. I am working on uh, getting my first couple of guests in here. So that we can do some interviews. Tell some good stories. Stuff like that. Play some games. Um... I'd love to be able here soon to do um, live video, and that's coming soon. I would love to do it with um, guest guest interviews here soon. So, like I said, spread the word about this podcast. Sharing is caring. Like, subscribe, all that stuff. And as always, I leave you guys with this. You are loved. You have value. You are worth it. Don't ever think anything otherwise, all right? All right. With that being said, take care. Hope you guys have a great week ahead, and I will see you on the next episode of the Philosophy Sessions podcast. Class dismissed. The views and opinions expressed by the Philosophy Sessions podcast with Phil Washington are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the Philosophy Sessions podcast. Any content provided by our authors or content creators are of their opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual or anyone or anything. Thank you. Thank you.